Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. Hello to the listeners of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor is an author, scholar, columnist, essayist, political and cultural critic. And I know that a lot of our listeners come because Victor is sober, judicious and dispassionate in his analysis. And I know that he doesn't like those, but we're making those into giving a good name to sober and judicious these days here at victorhanson.com and on his podcast. So welcome, everybody. Victor, welcome to the show as well. I guess I should welcome you, your namesake. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm recovering from uh, my bout with a minuscule wasp that defeated a 190-pound adult and sent me to the emergency room for the day and (laughs) injected me a little bastard wasp so i'm mad at the wasp all right then uh, i'm gonna i yeah, went out in the garden but you to see sound great sp- so what what's that you sound great so i have a i feeling feel you're all good i the like show. the idea that you uh you use the word sober and judicious when i was a graduate student i had a wonderful professor from england britain mark edwards he was a homeric scholar he worked in type scenes and formula and uh he taught first year graduate Greek composition. You had to have three, three classes in it. And I took one and I, uh, <laughs> they took dict- dictation, which is very hard to have an Englishman speak English, English as a, opposed to American, then have to, to write that in Greek. But my point is that I did that once and he wrote on my paper, a very sober and judicious a performance, Mr. Hansen. <laughs> And every time I saw him, <laughs> I'd say, you know, when you're that age, you're whiny. And I'd say, you know what? I am really tired of taking these exams and, you know, writing Greek and Latin and all. And he said, but you're very sober and judicious. And that's important. 
press on, lad. <laughs> so sober and judicious. Awesome. I never knew that was a compliment. So, I thought it was, you know. <laughs> and, uh, the it is coming from me, and it is coming from your professor, it sounds like. <laughs> okay. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and take a break and then come back. And, and I was hoping, once again, like we've been doing, we could do the good news at the beginning yes. of the show. So everybody hang in there, and we'll come right on back. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, They've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, You'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash Victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code Victor50, that's code Victor50, at factormeals.com slash Victor50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Welcome back. I would like to remind everybody that Victor is the Martin and Neely Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. You can find him at his website, victorhanson.com, and it is called The Blade of Perseus. So, Victor, yes, I would like to see if we could start out today with some good news, because I know that... your listeners and I have been watching the news and it's getting a little bit dicey and scary, if I can put it that way. But what, what's the good news? I think the good news is that 
you know that scene in Das Boot where Jurgen Prock Tunnel, is that is how you pronounce it? He has been at the bottom yeah. of the Mediterranean. I know I don't I know that they're Nazis, but they're anti-Nazi Germans in the movie, at least. And when they finally figure out how to get back up, he opens the the hatch and he's on the Mediterranean. They're gonna blast through uh the inland strait, you know, at the pillars of Hercules, so to speak. And he says, Not yet, not yet. And he's you know, you didn't get us yet. And he's screaming and then he's really yeah. happy. That's what I feel like today. I feel like they have done everything. And that, I mean, it's not directed just against Trump, of course. Trump was the lightning rod and his excesses perhaps elicited an inordinate response that would, would have been more severe than what will. But, you know, what they did to Dick Cheney or George Bush or DeSantis now. But the point I'm making is that they they impeached this president. Twice never happened. They tried him as a private sentence citizen. Never happened. They raided his house. Never happened. They indicted a ex president and a a a current presidential candidate leading in the polls. I say that leading the polls. I mean, he's leading in the primary and the general election polls, both against uh, DeSantis, yes. whom I have an enormous regard for, and uh, and against Biden, who I have enormous disregard for. But my point is that with all of that and all the things we've seen, the weaponization of the FBI, Andrew McCabe lying under oath, James Comey feigning amnesia, the weaponization of Lois Lerner and the IRS, the Merrick Garland, the DOJ, the Brennan pathological liar to Congress on two occasions, the CIA, former CIA director. I don't think that I don't think they have support. I, I really do. I think it's that they, they understand that they're Jacobins or Bolsheviks. And they're a minority party and that none, none, none of their agendas have 51 percent because the American people are sick of it. They don't they don't like the destruction of female sports. Women try, did so much to get equity in Title IX and then just have a bunch of biological males play victim and destroy the whole concept of female sports. I don't think that's going to stand. I really don't. I don't think that drag shows are going to be yeah. institutionalized. Everybody says it has, it's a performance art, it has nothing to sex. And every time you go on the internet and you download a drown, a, you look at the news story, there's some type of sexual simulation in front of people who are under the age of 18. And I don't think they're going to, to stand for uh, the censorship, the council call. I think they're sick of war. And I think, I, I, I don't know what this catalyst was, but I think people are starting to wake up. And they're saying, you know what? This is 1793. This is uh, 1918. This is this this is a cultural revolution. These people want us out. They want us nullified. They want us inert or worse. And I just say that just looking at that demonstration in front of the Trump uh, trial. You know, when you look at the two sides, the one side was kind of boisterous, but. They, they they weren't obscene. They weren't yelling F you. They weren't trying to fight somebody. The, the, that journalist was trying to to pick on and, and, and said, I'm going to kill you. And then you, they didn't have politicians in the crowd. They don't take over the Tennessee legislature when they don't get their way. They don't storm into the Texas legislature. They don't go to the Supreme Court homes. And people say, you know what? We don't do that, but we're sick and tired of you who do it. 
The idea that you're going to expect us to lay over and roll dead in the 233rd year of this republic and hand it over to you, you're insane. It's not going to happen. You can call me any word, name in the book. Call me a transphobe. Call me a homophobe. Call me a sexist. Call me a racist. Call me a nativist. You, you name it. It means, it means nothing to me. We're going to fight to keep the country, which is a multiracial but singular cultural United States. And I think that I, I, I think they've really overreached. They have, they're going to they have poked a sleeping dragon. And I'm not talking about an old, mm-hmm. angry white group. I'm talking about a multiracial group of people that have come too far to hand this country over to a bunch of bicoastal pampered elites. So I, I'm I'm optimistic. I really do. I think that something is going on right now, and I think everybody, according to their station, has to make sure they participate in the political process. One vote, yes. One senator, fifty-one forty-nine is not going to do it in the next election. Seven House seats are not going to do it. You need fifty House seats. You need five, six senator majority. You need the presidency. And then you need to tell the rhino people, right. this is war, and you've got to get conservative, traditional judicial appointments, and you're going to have to stay in lockstep. And if you can't do it, get out of the way and let somebody else leave, because I think it's too late. Yeah. The Marcus of Queensbury rule. Well, you're reminding, yeah. What's that? Yeah. You're reminding me of, um, we're going to talk about it in our cultural um, cultural episode for Saturday, but you're reminding me that in Chicago, they elected a new mayor who is still Democratic in Wisconsin. They're singing the praises of their new judge who yeah, is she won liberal by 11 and points. it makes she three was... out of three out of four judges. No, I, that's going to be bad so, news because the first thing she's going to do is change the balloting laws. And yeah. the IE uh, Wisconsin was a purple state and often a red state because it had ballot integrity and it's going to be lost. In Chicago, well, the the moderate, I shouldn't say that, the liberal Democrat uh, lost to the insane Democrat. But it was very, you know, it was very close. And the reason that these, oh, you got to remember, Sammy, the reason that Elise Zeldin loses or the Republicans and conservatives can't get elected as people are leaving those cities and states. They are, they're just leaving them behind. And when you look at the North Carolina or the Tennessee or the Florida or the Texas legislatures that they're very red. And the reason is that people are saying, I can't deal with these people anymore. I do not like to pay these high taxes and get substandard services and infrastructure. And I don't like to be insulted. I'm not stupid to quote Joe Biden. Remember what he said? I might be a, they say I might be Irish or a white boy. Or did he say both? And I might be, but I'm not stupid. And, but I mean, I think he said white boy. If I yeah. Recall, right? Yeah. Well, he's, he is a white boy and he is stupid, but not everybody <laughs> is. And what I'm getting at is I, I think that it's two things. In, in a way, I have different, I have uh, ambiguous views of it because under our federalist system where the states have autonomy and you're free to go and, and that's great. But what's happening is um, here in California, we're losing fighters. 
because they're all leaving, 500,000 of them in the last 18 months. And that means we've rendered the, the entire state to these insane people in the legislature. And they and they don't even represent their own constituencies in some cases. And so uh, you're going to have, if this present trend continues, you're going to have vibrant economies and balanced budgets and good infrastructure and safe streets and about geographically about 90% of this, the country and population wise, I think you'll get up to about 55%. And then you're going to have bankruptcies, pension collapses. And what you see in San Francisco, where they've declared basically asked for federal disaster help with 30 to 40% vacancy rate in downtown. Just six mm-hmm. years ago, I, I walked it five or six years ago. I used to go up there a lot and you couldn't believe the rent. There were studio apartments for $4,000 a month. You couldn't rent a business. It was booming. And they completely destroyed it. They being the left, they destroyed it. They just said, you know what? How do you destroy San Francisco? Hmm. Well, you tell everybody in the United States, it's a warm climate. We pay for homelessness. Come on. And then you let people inject and defecate and urinate and fornicate in the streets. And you don't dare say don't. And then you, you get somebody like Gascon or or Chelsea Boudin or whoever they are, and you let criminals out, and then you demonize the hardworking taxpayer, professional, and entrepreneurial class, and voila, you can do it in about three years. Well, Victor, let's go back to uh, Trump, because we really haven't um, talked too much about his indictment. It appears that Alvin Bragg is charging him with a bookkeeping error and crime that he's unwilling to explain what the crime is. And so it seems like um, well, they 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 are charging him with covering up or I expect that it'll be covering up info that voters needed to know. And I think me and I think or I and all of your listeners probably think, well, what politician hasn't given hush money to somebody to just keep it away? But what are your thoughts everybody. on these? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, you're you're supposed to that was the the bill of particulars was the indictment. There was no bill of particulars. He just took one indictment that he claimed that it was a business expense. Uh, the money that went to my legal expense, excuse me. And it was, I mean, Michael Cohen's a lawyer. So he gave him money and he did what lawyers do. He went to a person was making allegations and he got her to say that the, that he didn't, didn't have a relationship with her. I don't know whether he did or not. And that was successful. And then all of a sudden he ran for president. This was 16 years ago. And all of a sudden she reemerged and tried to peddle her story. And people, he told people, don't buy it, please. I have a non-disclosure agreement with her. She's lying. And she said she's lying. And Michael Cohen, you know, said she was lying. And all of a sudden the Trump hysteria came and then he flipped because he was they they pressured him and he flipped and turned state evidence and said it was, you know, it was a it, and we ended up with what a misdemeanor bookkeeping. It's kind of like Hillary Clinton. Remember, Sammy, what did she do? And she not only yes. destroyed well, subpoena devices it. and emails, yeah. felony one. She not only transmitted classified information over a homebrew sewer uh, server, felony two. 
She not only hired a foreign national as a campaign employee in the presidential race, felony three, but she hid the payment to Christopher Steele, 300000 or more, by the DNC, by Perkins Coie, and by Fusion GPS, and she listed it as what? A legal expense. And she was fined by the Federal Election Committee. Okay, commission. So that's what we do. And James Comey said that, you know, she was probably guilty of these things, but it didn't rate. No prosecutor would. I think he was not a prosecutor, so he shouldn't have been. He had been a former one, but he shouldn't have weighed in on that. It wasn't his purview. But nonetheless, there was no bill of particulars. And it was a misdemeanor, even if it was a bookkeeping mistake, calling it legal expenses. But it's only a felony if that is used to hide a greater crime. So what was the greater crime? Apparently, it was not reporting to the Federal Election Commission that there was an embarrassing matter that he paid and therefore it should have been reported. But that's a federal offense. And the Federal Election Committee looked into it. So how can he, a New York prosecutor, municipal prosecutor, how can he go in and start, you know, if if somebody in Fresno, California shoots somebody, the local DA can't say, oh, you know, he violated that person's civil rights. I'm going to fire off, file a federal statute indictment against him. You can't do that. We know that. And there's the, the, you know, the statute of limitations and all of these things. But that's not the point, is it? The point is to do the following, to tie Donald Trump up. He gave a good speech at Mar-a-Lago. I don't think it it was intended, nor would it be successful to convince the magical three to five percent of the electorate that he lost in 2020, in which he needs and which any Republican who is nominated needs. That's not the point. The point was it wasn't crazy. It was dispassionate. He'll probably get a gag order because the judge had warned him not to attack prosecutors and he called them all sorts of names. Okay. Crooked, etc. So what I'm getting at is that this is the very beginning and we're going to see these psychodramas repeated again and again and again. There's going to be motions to dismiss. There's going to be walls or closing in bombshell Mueller investigation type hysterias. There's going to be legal expenses. There's going to be all this. Is, this is going to go on. And then we're going to go into round two with this crazy Georgia prosecutor who, as we see from the grand jury, crazy spokesman. It was all slanted as well over a phone call. I need five. I need to find 15,000 votes, i.e. there's 15,000 at least that were fraudulent. Can you look into it? That's not go make 15,000 votes. I think that case is even weaker. And then we go into round three with what? The Mar-a-Lago way. They think this is a special counsel. This is much more. Sick. I don't think so. I think you're going to say you're going to indict Donald Trump for a dispute with the National Archives people when he had the ability to declassify information and he was negotiating with them and they were in lock and key and you raided his home with armed FBI agents at the time when Joe Biden for six years knowingly took out documents that were classified when he had no such authority to declassify them as vice president and he sloppily and promiscuously put them in his car garage, his library, another room. He won't let you uh, look at Delaware uh, 
at the University of Delaware's think tank or whatever that crazy thing was. And then we're supposed to believe that that's equitable and symmetrical when there was no FBI raid. And he let his lawyers without classified stat, uh, the status to look at classified documents handle the investigation in concert with the FBI. I don't think so. I don't think people are going to stand for that. So I think the point instead, Sammy, to conclude this windy rant is that for the next year and a half, all the way to Election Day, the left that coordinates this with the media believes that they're going to tie him up with these ridiculous indictments and they're going to hemorrhage him. And that's going to give him a lot of empathy. And the polls in the short term suggest that that's worked like clockwork. But he's soared up ahead of not just Nikki Haley and Pompeo, but DeSantis, too. And then he's going to be hemorrhaging and they're going to put gag orders and they're going to restrict his ability to speak out in the campaign and they're going to threaten to jail him. And they're going to go back and this is going to detract and people are going to say, who are the three to five percent that will decide the election? What was that scene uh, in True Wilmount, Sammy? Did you see that movie? Was the guy's name Elliot when he went in? The yes. Session? Yeah. <laughs> Into the, oh, and he was in the elevator and yes. he said, somebody come and save me from this. <laughs> Make it all go away or something. Yes. Yes. So Make that's what away, yeah. that's what the three to five percent are going to say. They're going to collapse on their living room floors, put their hands hands over their ears and go, make it go away. I can't take it any longer. And that's the design, isn't it? That's what the left wants to do. Yeah. And I, I guess, the, you know, that's what they're going to do. That's the whole point. Right. Yeah, I think it is. But I was thinking that, you know, there's such a weak case that what they're really doing is pitting citizen against citizen. And it's just causing a more divided polity in the United States. <laughs> you mean like, and, like is uh, that is that just fallout from what they're doing or what they plan to do? No, as they well? want to do it. That's what all Bolsheviks do. They try to create tensions and crises. That's as soon as we had the COVID lockdown, which they just wanted so badly, Gavin Newsom said, we're going to have a more progressive capitalism when we get out of this. And remember Hillary Clinton said, we're going to have single payer health care. It was Ron Emanuel all over about the 2008 you know, crisis, never let a major crisis go to waste. So they, they don't function well in calm times. They only function well in perceived crisis. It was, and what, what made this country go insane? Because it is insane. It was the trifecta of the COVID epidemic where we were told millions would die, million did die. And then there was the lock, crazy lockdowns. And then there was 120 days of exempt and excuse rioting, arson, killing, violence, uh, arson, everything. And all of that made the country go crazy. And I think that's where we yeah. ended up. And that's what they wanted. And this 10 to 15 to 20 percent of hardcore country PR citizens, hardcore leftists, what do, what do they what do they want? They they want to change the process because they have no confidence in their agenda, do they? They don't believe that, well, we're going to open the borders and let seven million people. That's going to make everybody happy. No, it's not even going to make people in Martha's Vineyard happy. Well, we're going to cut back on oil by two million barrels, and that'll make every no. They don't like to pay five dollars a gallon for gas. Well, we're going to tell those Saudis that they're corrupt, and we have nothing to do with it. Oh, no, that was really stupid. They're going to bring 
the Iranians into their orbit. And then we got a lot of oil producers and a nuclear Iran to look forward to. Well, we're going to go and just give them a blank check in Ukraine. No, we're dealing with a nuclear nutty Putin and we're right on its doorstep. Well, we're going to spend and we're going to borrow $4 trillion and just let everybody have a holiday and keep giving it. No, we're going to get 8% inflation. And then to stop the 8%, we're going to get 7 8% and higher in uh, interest rate. Well, then we're going to have woke and we'll have diversity, equity, inclusion, and we're going to go back to, you know, your race is essential to who you are, not incidental, and we're not a a single culture, we're a multicultural. No, you unleash the demons. And to quote Chuck Schumer, you sowed the wind, you're going to re- reap the whirlwind. You created a Yugoslavia. And once you start going tribal, everybody goes tribal. Just like, as I said before, nuclear proliferation. Once one country goes nuclear, everybody for deterrence goes nuclear. They haven't seen that yet. But when you have people outside of the Trump courthouse you have that large African-American journalist, and he goes over to another journalist and says, I'm going to kill you. And then you have that woman dancing in whiteface saying that, you know, I think what Trump said to the about Bragg was unnecessary, called him an, I think you can call him a wild animal or I don't know what animal was the word. He shouldn't have said that. But yeah. she said, I'm an animal and I'm white. You know, this it was all racialized. The mayor was racialized when he taunted Marjorie Taylor Greene, the alderman or the human rights advocate or whoever it was, was out there. It it was all racialized. And if you keep doing that, and we'll talk about that later, then you're going to get a tribal reaction. And that's going, it's not just going to be white against black. It's going to be a a Hobbesian bellum omnia contra omnes, a, a war of everybody against everybody. So what I'm getting at is all of these issues people don't like. They don't like watching, looking at that inventory in Afghanistan that's going to go to Putin, probably. They don't like it, and they know they don't like it, and they know they won't stop, so they need a crisis. And that's why they always, at the end, get down to process. We can't win an election if 70 people vote, 70% of the people vote on election day, so 70% are not going to vote on election day. We're going to call anybody a racist who asks for increased audit. That's just racist. And we're going to, if we don't get our way, we're going to get rid of the filibuster. We get the majority. We don't get our way, we're going to get rid of the electoral college. We don't get our way, we're going to pack the court. We don't get our way, we're going to bring in two two more new states with them for senders. We don't get our way, we're going to circumvent the Constitution of a national voting law that destroys the state's prerogative. We don't get our way, we're going to tear up the state of the union. We don't get our way, we're going to deny the minority leader committee assignments. We don't get our way. We're going to impeach the president twice, and we're going to try him as a private citizen, and we're going to raid his house. And that's how they operate. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, a, it's predicated, well, it Sammy, on what? There. It's predicated on, we don't care if we don't have a majority. We have Hollywood. We have movies. We have K-12. through We got your kids during the day. We got the academic world. We got Stanford Law School. We've got... The corporate board and we room. have the that middling voter. They have the middling voter who they've convinced that their agenda is the nice guy agenda, and you're not a racist if you follow them. Yes, that's, that's who they have. That, but how Trump do they have that? To. They have that because they have Disneyland, they have cable news, they have network news, they have the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, L.A. Times, Washington Post. They have NPR. They have PBS. They have television programming. 
They have professional sports. They have the NFL. They have the NBA. They have the, the Tonys. They, are, they have everything is what I'm getting at. Yes. Yes. Internet and that, but they but don't. The, how have do you 51%. get? How does the? They don't have fifty-one percent of the people, so they need a crisis, don't they? Or they need to change the process, is what I'm saying. If you had an election in 2020, in which seventy percent, as they usually do in most states, voted in person, they would have lost. They would have lost. Or if you hadn't had four hundred and thirty million dollars injected by one person. Mark Zuckerberg to appropriate the work of the registrars and key precincts, they would have lost, I think. Or if they didn't change the voting laws in, yeah. in Pennsylvania and Michigan by, you know, when, when I say change the voting laws, I'm saying basically they they allowed third party vote harvesting or that the names didn't have to match the registrars in some states or they allowed one name rather than both names or no signature or California had 10,000. 10 million, 10 million ballots that were mailed out. We'd have no idea where they were. So that's what they do. Because do they we expect more of that or yes. less of that in the next election? Twenty Less of that in 2024, you think, or more? More, because we're getting down now to the nitty gritty where people are saying, you know, they've we've had four years of Joe Biden. And their supporters say, you know what? We beat Barack Obama's eight years. He talked a great game, but did he destroy the border? We did. Did he destroy energy autonomy and independence? No, we did. Did he humiliate us abroad and pull in our horns like we deserve? No, we did. Did he create a racialized country where we're all going to be at each other's throat? And we're all victims? No, but he didn't. But we did. Did he allow people to empty the jails and to make felonies, misdemeanors and misdemeanors, infractions and infractions, nothing? Nope, we did. So they're high. They think they've done a lot in two years to ruin the country. And so this is going to be and a lot of people are saying, you know what? They did ruin the country. And San Francisco is unlivable by their own admission. I can't go. Anybody wants to walk on the million dollar mile on Saturday night in Chicago is insane. When I go to Washington, D.C. and it's a Saturday night and I have to do something, I don't walk outside. New York did all that. We, I drove down to Los Angeles. I went down on a Friday afternoon or Thursday afternoon, Friday afternoon. There was nobody there. It looked like, you know, the walking dead. There was nobody there. That beautiful downtown that it was big, that was the great renaissance achievement of the 1990s is dead. They're toxic. They have the on Midas touch. Everything they touch, they destroy. And yes, but, so it's going to be a big stakes election. And I think a lot of people yeah. are going to come out to vote. The question will be is process, process, process. Will the conservatives wake up and start you know, right now trying to get voter ID so that people have to actually be the person who votes and show ID. Will they have people monitor the election? Will their legal team stop these blitzes? Will they expose what Mark Zuckerberg and the Silicon Valley technocrats are going to do? That's the question. Are we going to be vigilant on them? Everybody according to their stations. Yes. Yeah. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and take a break and come back and we'll talk about the international situation that we see and then move on to the domestic because it's this world is is looking a little bit grim right now. But everybody stay with us and we'll come right back. 
Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. We're back, and I would like to remind everybody that they can follow Victor on social media, Hanson's Morning Cup on Facebook, and at VD Hansen at Twitter. And we also have an Instagram page, Victor D. Hansen. So please come join us there. We are um, attached to John Solomon's Just the News, and so he's sort of our mothership. And you can find a lot of great investigative reporting at Just the News, so a wonderful site for all the news and happenings, especially in D.C. Well, Victor, um, the international scene is getting pretty chaotic. And so I was wondering if you could sort of give us a landscape view of all of the chaos that we're seeing. Internationally? Yes, internationally. The internationally? <laughs> OPEC cutting. Yeah. I think the yes. proper, we are fiddling way our foreign policy in the world is burning. We take a little quick panoramic view. We are on the doorstep of a some type of breakthrough uh, this year. In other words, what I mean breakthrough, I don't mean a dramatic win or loss by Ukraine or Russia, but an exhaustion. Ukraine has lost probably 150,000 dead, 120 to 150,000. Russia is probably over 200,000. The combined wounded is 500. The economies are destroyed, being destroyed. And I don't know whether, whether this will lead to the breakup of the Russian Federation, or I don't know whether Ukraine will be left a Verdun deathscape. But the longer this goes on, the scarier it gets, Japan has already defected like India has from the sanctions. We're going to be in a big oil crisis this summer with Saudi Arabia cutting back its oil with the other, as I said, the other groups and with Joe Biden cutting back our own. I guess he'll go back to the draining the, the petroleum oil reserve, but it's, it's, it's a reserve, so it's finite. And when you look at China, we just learned, Sammy, that 
they they pretty much lied completely, just outlined lied the Biden administration. Milley lied, Biden lied, Blinken lied, Sullivan lied. They all lied. They said that there was really no substantial surveillance, no advantage gained by this balloon that they came to their attention. No, they had it all over the United States. It was surveilling all of our bases, our sensitive sites, and they did nothing, nothing, nothing. And they lied about that. And China has basically said to us now, Wuhan lab, <laughs> gain of function, <laughs> leak, <laughs> we don't care. Million Americans dead, that's your problem. We're not going to even talk about it. Shut up. And balloon, we sent a balloon and we surveilled yours and your country and we got all this valuable information. Don't try it against us. But so what? What are you going to do about it? That's their attitude. And so they have absolute contempt. And that's dangerous. I'm not trying to be braggadocio, you know, talking in braggadocio terms or saber rattling, because it's dangerous. I'm worried that it's dangerous because we don't have any deterrence left. And we have created, we, the Biden administration, they managed to do the impossible. They brought Iran and Saudi Arabia and by extension, Kuwait and the other Gulf kingdoms in an alliance with, with Iran. And that alliance, Iran, remember, right now is uh, going to be producing drones under license in Russia. It's getting uranium information, if not enriched uranium from Russia. It will be nuclear by the end of the year. No, no doubt about it. They have brought China and Russia together. They have basically India is now an outlier. It's not an American outlier anymore. North Korea is starting to talk its insanity again. And I think Turkey, by any definition, any definition, given its closeness to China and Russia, is not a U.S. ally, even though it has the largest uh, army in NATO except for ourselves. And then when you look at our own military, Milley was talking the other day, just, God, every time that guy talks, you wonder how what he learned at Princeton. I mean, he has a Princeton BEA, and he was appointed because he was supposed to be, quote, unquote, our intellectual joint chiefs. Gosh, he ran it about white privilege, white rage under, you know, to the Congress. He called up his Chinese counterpart and basically said, I'm with you if Trump orders me to do something. He now he says that we need to, uh, what did he say? There's no real problem with China. Yes, they're going to, they're planning for war, but we don't, we don't want to get too upset about it. He's 15,000 soldiers short in the army recruitment. He's destroyed a whole uh, demographic that uh, as potential recruits, you know, the, the white male uh, combat type of person, rural America, the kind of people I grew up with and south of the Mason-Dixon line as well. And I, uh, they're not joining. They're just not joining for obvious reasons. And these are the people who died, as I said, twice of their demographic in Iraq and Afghanistan. And he's told them, I guess, yes. that you're not welcome. And they say, okay. We're not welcome. You go do. You go do it. It's your it's your problem. And so they, when you look at all of this, energy, Ukraine war, China, Russia, the financial. You forgot. Go ahead. Iran. 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 I mean, are yeah, they starting to play an important role? Whether it's with Russia, Saudis. No, I mentioned Iran. That they are. 
they're producing under license drones, cheap drones. And where do they get that drone expertise? They got it with the Barack Obama administration when we crashed a drone into Iranian territory and everybody begged Obama to destroy it. And he would not do that. I thought that was, I guess, provocative. And they just reversed engineered it and they learned a great deal and they were off to the races with their own drone industry. And so, yeah, they're, they're a participant now in the Ukraine war on the side of Russia. And in exchange, they're going to want a lot. And they produce a lot of oil, as does Saudi Arabia, as does Kuwait, as does the Emirates. All of those countries are going to be cutting back. And their basic message to us is, you call us illiberal, Joe Biden, you say that we're decadent or we're an illiberal regime. Okay, you produce your own oil. But if you won't produce your own oil, don't go beg us before the election to pump for you just so you can get reelected. We're not going to do it anymore. And the all Abrams Accord, that idea that the Arab world would make peace with Israel, and they had they were almost ready to, to, to finalize it. It had already been in progress. That's over with. That's over with. They're closer now with Iran than they are Israel. And Israel itself, the people and the left in Israel is a nutty as a left here, and they're doing to Netanyahu what they do to Trump here. And so the whole the whole overseas thing has collapsed. And remember that it started in in early winter of 2021 when the our diplomatic team of, I guess it was Blinken, went to Anchorage and just insulted by the Chinese. And then Putin just insulted him when he asked him, please, Vladimir, if you're going to hack our stuff, don't hack hospitals. You have to put something off, off limits when you attack us. Oh, if Vladimir invades, is that what you ask me? What do we do? Well, if it's a minor invasion, I won't do anything. And then he looked at that aerial photograph of acres and acres of American weaponry and vehicles all parked like they were ready to be bombed on Pearl Harbor. They were all in a row. And we just handed that over to terrorists. And then we look at the open border. That's a foreign policy. I never thought I'd heard a Mexican president say, it's so wonderful. We've sent 40 million people up there and they're in the United States. And then next week say, I want you all to vote Democratic. <laughs> Mr. Obrador, they have to be citizens in tech. No, they don't, Victor. They don't have to be citizens. So it, it's it's really hard to screw things up the way they did. And so it just it begs the question, to, yes. was it by intent or by incompetence or a little of both? Could I ask you something about the Saudi relationship with Iran? Yes. Do you find it um, interesting or, I guess, funny that the Saudi Arabian um, peninsula or the Saudis are are Sunni Muslims, and yet they are cu cuddling up with the Shi Shiite hard to, it's Iranian hard to sect. It, are, is, they is, hate each other, and they have historically. I know. It's, and a lot of the Gulf states have large Shia min minorities, you know, and they are a near majority or majority in Iraq. And so you don't quite know what's going on, whether the Saudis are saying we can't deal with the Biden administration. We're going to wait it out or we're going to send a message. You screw with us. We're going to screw with you. You're going to regret it. But at the other point, they've got to be careful because they are completely helpless, helpless. And when you start to deal with a theocracy like Iran, 
it's not going to be symmetrical. Iran's got a lot more people. It's got a lot more scientific expertise and it's going to have nuclear weapons. And if and it's already sent missiles into Saudi Arabia. So if Saudi Arabia thinks they can maneuver that, they're crazy. Ultimately, that kingdom's survival rests on neutrality with Israel and the protection of the United States, as we saw in the case of Kuwait and Saudi Arabia. We stopped an incursion into Saudi Arabia in the first Gulf War. And they would be stupid to sever that tie. I think there's more of a signaling to us, but signals can, you know, get a life of their own if people don't handle it right. Yes. And I don't know who is running the country now. I know Joe Biden is not. And I guess Jill Biden, who each day she opens her mouth, is makes Michelle Obama, you know, look like Queen Elizabeth in a, in, a, in comparison. She's completely incompetent. Kamala Harris is incompetent. And Blinken, Sullivan, et cetera, they have the therapeutic view of foreign policy. Sullivan was very involved in the whole Hillary Steele uh, deception collusion hoax. So I don't know who's doing it. The Obamas, I, I keep thinking that their people, Valerie Jarrett, all those people are involved. But as he said himself, when he was asked what was his weakness, he said it was laziness. And when you look at him, it's usually a picture of him hanging out in Martha's Vineyard or Kalorama Mansion or his new Hawaiian digs. He loves to fly private and lecture people on climate change. He, you know, he got a just they handed him a hundred million bucks for Netflix for doing nothing. So I just don't think he's I think he's where he always wanted to be. Just and so I don't see him as engaged politically. I know once in a while he'll walk outside his front door and, and he'll give a press conference or he'll go to some ceremonial dig and say that everybody's racist or the filibuster's racist or he'll hijack a funeral eulogy and say that we have to bring Puerto Rico into the, you know, this. but he, it's his heart is not in it. It really isn't. He's a sensualist. He wants to enjoy his appetites. And so I don't know who's running the country. I don't know who these is. It Bernie Sanders? Is it Elizabeth Warren? Do they are they terrified of AOC? Something like that. But it's the country. You're an optimist. Hijacked. I think it's Joe Biden and his crazy mind is running our country, which is why everything's going to hell, right? Yeah, but he doesn't even know where he is. I mean, he when he starts, first of all. When he speaks now, he slurs his words. So one word, there's no hiatus between one word and the next. It's just as there's certain people who can interpret it. They've learned how to to follow that language, but it's not English as I recognize it. It isn't. And then he's baffled. You know, every once in a while, I'm 69. If I lay down, I get up suddenly. You know what I mean? For a split second, I get a little dizzy or I bend down. But he's dizzy all the time. He can't. He can't navigate. He, he's going to fall and break his hip. It's inevitable. He, he doesn't, he can't do it. He can't do it. Some of you out there who are in great shape at 80 would not want the job because you'd have to exhaust yourself and he can't do it. So I don't think he's in control at all. I, I just don't. I think that yeah. it's people around him. You think he knows any of the judicial appointments he's making? I'm not, I, I understand your point. Your point says it wouldn't matter, Victor, because he's not good old Joe from Scranton anymore. He's a hardcore leftist that sold his soul. You're right. But yes, 
it, so you're right. It doesn't make any difference. If he were compost mentis, he would be doing the same thing. I agree with that. Yes. That's a strange phenomenon. Victor, let's go ahead and take a break and come back and talk a little bit more about domestic policy since we've slowly turned to that as it is. We'll be right back. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. We're back, and we're talking about the state of the United States, whether it's international or domestic. And we've gotten to the domestic, and I thought maybe we could go all the way to California and look a little bit at the weather and policy of California. Um, and especially given I, I was looking around at things, and I, I found this article that Trot was saying that this these climate crisis people who take over everything and so right now california is having an extraordinary amount of rain which i know you want to talk about um but they've there are problems with the environment that environmentalism if it were not taken over by these radicals who want to say always that the sky is falling you know and i was thinking yeah i remember being on a cruise boat one time and looking at the trash that we came across in the ocean it was just disgusting and and really somebody should do something about it and those are you know problems like that are specific but but real problems in the environment and yet nobody wants to listen to these environmental climate crisis people anymore and I, and that that was just my reflection given our rainy rainy time here but um however you want to talk about this crazy weather that we've been having I don't think it's so crazy. I think that if you go back and look at California, about every 15 to 20 years, you get a two to three year drought. And we have. And I mean, we had a very wet year in 2019. And then about every 15 to 20 years, you or maybe longer, you get his. I think it was 2005. We had a historically wet year. But I remember, I think it was 1983. It was crazy. And we live, you know, 20 miles from what was the old Tulare Lake bed, which was the largest freshwater lake, very shallow, but the largest uh, west of the Great Lakes. And it it was some of the most fertile uh, farmland in the world. The Boswell Corporation, the Salyer Corporation, they simply expropriated very cheaply in the 1940s and 50s when dams started to emerge and then after Pine Flat was built and the Kings River was harnessed, which dumped into the Tulare Lake. 
uh, it was farmland. So it's some of the richest farmland in the world. I think 20% of the nation's dairy products are produced in and around the Tulare Lake bed. It, it was huge. It went on for 80 miles. It goes all the way from, you know, the Hanford, Lamore, Corquin area, all the way down to Bakersfield. It was, it was, and then east and west. Well, it's got 100,000 acres of water. We haven't seen that since 83. And then the snowpack this year in the central southern Sierra is 240% of its April date, according to the recent measurement. And it's twice the amount that we had the historical flooding of 1983. So that lake bed is going to increase and it's going to take billions of dollars of farm production out. And it was all preventable, preventable because we passed measures. We had uh, to build dams. We could have harnessed the San Joaquin River in the sense that Millerton Lake could have filled up another million and a half acre feet at temperance flat above it. We could have done that. We, we It was approved. We could have built the uh, Los Banos Grandes, so we would have had another San Luis Reservoir, so that aqueduct could have been at full blast, filling up two uh, San Luis Reservoirs. We have the Sites Reservoir on the Sacramento River, all part of the California Water Project, and we voted in a ballot prop. I think it was $7 billion, and they did nothing. They did nothing. He just kept saying, we're in a drought, we're in a drought, climate change, climate change, climate change, climate change, so the forest burned. Let it burn. Climate change, climate change. Timber industry vanished. People said, you're not thinning out the forest. You're going to get a forest. Climate change, climate change. We released billions of cubic meters of uh, carbon into the atmosphere two years ago. Climate change, climate change. And then we had this wet year. And so until just about a month ago, he kept going, climate change, drought, climate change, drought, as he let out 13 million acre feet. But what happened to Newsom? And to Californians is they didn't understand nature. As I said, every 20 years, you get something like this. And our grandparents did. And that's why they created the California Water Project and the Central Valley Project. And you read it. They had a tertiary system of huge reservoirs. And they granted that they wouldn't be full very often. But on a year like this, they would fill up and they would do what they're supposed to do. They would provide recreation. They would provide... Uh, irrigation, and they would provide flood control, flood control. And they just ignored it and their stupid stupidity. And so here we are. We let out all this. They thought, well, we're just going to let all the water out the San Joaquin River in Sacramento. We're going to have lush riverbanks. We're going to introduce salmon. It's going to be like 1860 and screw those farmers. And ha, 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 this is a permanent drought. And then it started to rain and rain. And they thought, oh, wow. This is great. We're going to let it all out. We're not going to store any water. And then it rained and rained. They said, uh-oh, maybe the drought's over. It's climate change. Climate change. It's not climate change drought. We never said that. It's climate change too much water. Not enough. So now it's climate change too much water. And they don't. They never look at the historical records to see these unusual years of drought and, and, and moisture. So it's very sad because this was preventable. But we're going to have a very rough yes. spring because when you have 240% of the snowpack 
and it starts to melt and it's very, this is when, this is one of the colder winters that I, uh, winters and um, springs I've ever experienced in climate change which we were told last year it was very warm but this is very cold so it hasn't melted is what I'm trying to say Sammy but next week we're scheduled to get back to a normal 75 to 85 degree pattern and that stuff is going to melt it's going to melt fast and the rivers can't handle it and the ponds can not cannot handle it and the reservoirs cannot have handle it and you're going to get california around 1820 when that happened a lot and it's going to be flooding and they're going to see lakes and things that you haven't seen in 40 years and that's the way it's going to be i have a house up you know i've been so worried about the roof it has scissor trusses and it had up to 20 feet of snow on the roof and i i did some rough calculations on the cubic feet of sierra type snow versus the stress load of that roof and it was beyond capacity i haven't been up there i'm going to try to go up tomorrow and we'll see if it's still there but i so far it's held but the problem i have is 20 feet of snow on the two sides of the house and the deck and the front and what do you do with it because you don't want to yes. throw it in your neck there's nowhere for it to go i mean some will evaporate but i have a cement slab so you know what's going to happen it's going to melt and go into the house and it's going to happen there's nowhere to put it is what i'm trying to say and it's uh it's i just wish the people would realize that we're on the razor's edge we have 40 million people in the state it, we've never had that many before and our grandparents and great-grandparents were very wise people when they had 15 million people and they planned the 101 and the 99 and the i-5 and they planned the reservoirs and they planned pg&e and they all had sequential staggered rates of growth to accommodate population to create the but in perpetuity the world that we have in the 1970s and 60s and we threw it all away and so <laughs> it's sort of like a farce now isn't it sammy because san francisco is we're looking at 45 billion dollars the deficit it seems to grow each week from 25 to 45 i hear now san francisco is utterly broke they can't even afford to police their own they can't afford to clean up the, the feces on their street and they're talking about what 300 billion dollars of reparations from people who have not had a slave in their family if they ever did for five generations and they want people to pay who are either immigrants that weren't even here during slavery or have no relatives that were slaves or if they did if there is a southerner in california which was a free state they haven't had a slave in five generations it's just insane so it's all fiddling to answer to put it all in perspective we we are obsessed with uh, these transgendered issues about men and women's sport. We are obsessed about who is the, the best victim of all, whether the Louisiana state team uh, should go to Jill Biden's or rather than Michelle Obama's house. We're obsessed with Meghan Markle and Henry. We are obsessed with Alvin Bragg. And meanwhile, the world is falling apart and the country is falling apart with real issues that we're not addressing financial, economic political energy, et cetera. Well, it seems to me that the Democrats have the platonic answer. They want to keep all the people in the cave looking at the shadows. And they seem to be able to do that through these emotional issues that they keep in the news. And 
I'm I know you're the almost the optimist here and I'm I'm a little bit more pessimistic. I don't see Republicans turning that around because they've got a hard sell though because, because look at what we're up against. There's 50 50 million people in absolute numbers and percentage I think it's up to 30 50 million people were not born in the United States. They just walked in. Most of them illegally. In California, 27% of the population was not born in the United States. And that's not because they were engineers from all from India. They're poor people. So most people on the coast don't see that. I go to a big warehouse food market, and I did three days ago. And a woman who did not speak very well Spanish, she had a Mixotec dialect, and she brought out four, 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 EBT cards. And I waited about five minutes while they tried to figure out, you know, they were all, I mean, one person doesn't have four cards, right? And then she brought out a WIC card, women, infant, child, a green, it was a kind of a green card. And then she bought, you know, four or $500 of stuff. And she brought out a wad of cash and she bought the Coca-Colas and all of these things in, in, in different categories. It took a long time. But my point is this, where she came from, which was probably the state of Oaxaca, compared to what is there now, it's like nirvana. You know what I mean? I When I had this yes. near-death experience, I went into the emergency room, and I can tell you that there were a lot of people there who did not speak English and looked like they had just come across the border. And that type of care that was given by highly trained Mexican-American doctors and nurses was very good care. They have never seen anything like that before. So why wouldn't you want to come is what I'm saying. And, and the idea is that if we let all these people come, they're going to repay the fealty for generations at the polls. And they do. They do. And so that was that's part of the problem is immigration and the lack of assimilation and integration. And the other part is it's not just immigrants. It's $1.7 trillion in student debt. 30% of it's not being serviced. And it's, I'm on Social Security. The whole system is bankrupt. It's not going to be sustainable. And to even say that, it'll be a riotous condition as you see in France today. So the yes, left my has the advantage. The they Democrats give stuff to people. Don't, yeah. They give stuff yes, to people. They don't. It. People don't vote for them because they want open borders or they want no energy. They they vote for them because they don't know about or they don't think about. They just want things, and they want to be told that yes. Anybody, the Democratic Party and the left historically lives on envy. It's not Hesiod's good envy. Remember Hesiod works in days. He says there's two types of envy. There's emulation envy. Hmm, I'm driving down the street and a guy just passed me in a Tesla. That looked really nice. Wow. I admire that guy. He's got a Tesla. You know what? I'm going to go save and get one just like it. That's the good envy. That's the Thanos. It's good. And then there's the Eris envy. That's the, oh man, he got a Tesla and I don't have one. I'm going to go kick in the tire. I'm going to go break it. I don't like that. How'd he get that? Couldn't have done it without being a crook. That's the bad envy. Well, they play on the bad envy that the that you can never make it. It's racist. It's rigged, but you can make it if you give it 
your vote to us because we will give you stuff. We'll take it away from the people who stole it from you. And that's what they do. It's a very powerful narcotic. You don't know. And the, and the way to combat that is not to get a Mitt Romney and or Paul Ryan and talk about capital gains cuts. And you know what I mean? That We need that. Yes. But that's not what you emphasize. You emphasize I'm for the middle classes. I'm for keeping jobs in the United States. I'm not I'm against China ripping us off. You don't shut down factories and invest over there. So we don't even have protective, you know, covering and materials and health care products during a pandemic because you outsourced it to China. That's how you you combat it. And the Republican Party until recently hasn't done that. They have lost every yes. election. They've lost seven out of the eight popular elections. Just count them. The, the popular vote. Okay. Since let's, let's go through them. George H.W. Bush lost the popular vote. Did he not? In 1992, yes. uh, right? To Bill yes. Clinton. Yeah. He lost, Dobdo lost it in 96. That's two of two, right? George Bush lost the popular vote to Al Gore in 2000, right? Yes. And he squeaked by with. 49.9 or something or 50.4 in 2004. So that's one out of four. And then uh, in 2008, Barack Obama, that's four out of five popular vote. 2012, five out of six, right? Popular vote. And 2016, then Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, six out of seven. And Joe Biden won the popular vote. Seven out of eight, right? I know you're, the listeners go, well, they cheated, Victor. Well, maybe so. But the point is that we haven't won 51% of the vote since George H.W. Bush did it against Michael Dukakis in 1988. So if you're losing seven out of the eight pop, uh, popular votes, and yet, and yet, during that period, you're very successful in taking state legislatures. You have the majority of state legislatures still, even after 2020, and the majority of governors. Something is wrong at the national level. And the something that was wrong was you were nominating Bob Dole, and you were nominating John McCain, and you were nominating Mitt Romney and people like that. And they're very decent, wonderful people. I, I met all of them, and they're very nice people. But they don't appeal to the middle class. They're some of the war heroes. Bob Dole was injured. He's a wonderful person. I had breakfast with Mitt Romney. I thought he was he and his wife were absolutely mannered, polite. I had it with Tom Sowell. The two of us had we didn't agree necessarily with his campaign strategies in 2012. But my point is that he was he was a decent person. And so was George W. Bush. And so was all of them. But they're not going to win. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And when they lose, they're going to lose nobly. And they're not going to be too regretful of it because they're of a particular class that's exempt from the consequences of what yeah. the left does. But the other people in East Palatine, they don't have any margin of error. For them, those elections are very important. And for a lot of people in America, they're very important. And if you don't appeal to what they need and you represent the elite in which the and the left was merciless, wasn't it? Remember those elections? Mitt Romney 
haze somebody? Yes. He had a, didn't he have a elevator, we were told? Did he put a dog on top of his house? I could go on forever. <laughs> no, on top of his car when he went <laughs> yes, on vacation. I'm sorry, <laughs> his house. But he also, <laughs> is it Paul Ryan or Mitt Romney put the person in the wheelchair and threw them over the cliff? I can't remember that commercial. Well, that was an advertisement, and it looked like, I think, Paul Ryan. I think okay. that's who and then how about the, like. the interview with oh. the black guy who said that he delivered, he picked up the trash and Mitt Romney never talked to him. <laughs> Remember that? And then Mitt Romney's uh, wife, remember oh that? Gosh. She was an equestrian with MS. Equestrian. <laughs> I like the, the, the commercial where John McCain didn't remember how many houses he had. Remember? And does he have seven or 11? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then all these Something Republicans like were saying, you know, they John McCain is he's going to win. He's bipartisan and the, the left has enormous respect for him. And he doesn't he doesn't mm. get down in the dirt. He's not going to mention Barack Obama's radicalism. He corrects people who would do that. And he's going to no, he's not. He's going to be considered weak. They're going to destroy John McCain when they get done with John McCain. He's an old, duttering Alzheimer's wealthy. And that's what they did to a war hero. They did. And so. Finally, the, the Trump Republican came in. The party is changing, given all of that, though. Right? Yes, it yeah. is changing. Go ahead. I I agree. It's they're never going to come back. That's why these seems like every single never Trumper is so angry. And it's not just Donald Trump. Believe me, if DeSantis were to win the nomination and it's wide open, I don't believe any of these polls matter right now. It's so volatile. But if he was to win the nomination, do you think those people at the bulwark or the dispatch would say, you know what? I'm a solid conservative my entire life. I want closed borders and I want low taxes and and less government and I want traditional values and I want a strong deterrent foreign policy. And therefore, I look at DeSantis and he's much superior to the hard, crazy left. And I'm going to vote. For no, they're not going to vote for it. No, 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 no. They don't like this Republican Party. They don't like it. They're elitist. They always were elitist. And they understand something about the left. That maybe some of our listeners don't. The left is an elitist party. It's always been a limousine liberal party. And now it's taken off its camouflage and it says, you know what? We're the party of Mark Zuckerberg, Mike Bloomberg. We're the party of the big, big money. We're the party of the Stanford Law School. We're the party of the Soros Foundation. We're the party of Silicon Valley, of Mark. We're happy. We are tasteful. We have, you know, we have designer kitchens. We go to Tuscany. Hollywood. Yes. Mm -hmm. We are, yeah, all, we smooth with the beautiful people in Hollywood. We are really wealthy and, you know, we're all victims too. So that's what they do. And that's, that's the, that's a, that's the Democratic Party. And that's what the Republicans were afraid of. They were all, oh my God, I can't. I can't criticize the left because they'll review my book badly or I won't be able to get on 60 minutes or I won't be on face a nation. Or if I'm a judge and I and I overturn Roe versus Wade or affirmative action, there'll be no invitations for me to speak. And I don't know, the Columbia School of Journalism won't ask me if I write an article. They won't ask me to speak and I won't win a Pulitzer Prize. I won't be nominated for National Book Award. All of those little tidbit in you know incentives that mean nothing it did mean something to our intelligentsia and our elite on the republican party and so 
that was a problem. And it took somebody like Donald Trump, who was totally on coops out an outsider. And when they brought him the names, I, I can tell you when they told him neocon X and establishmentarian conservative Y and Mr. Z, he would say, who the F are they? I don't even know their name, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they were no longer not, on the edge. I had a call yeah. when Trump just, I won't mention the name, somebody called me and he said, Victor, I got to ask you something. I said, what is that? And, he's, and he mentioned three of the most prominent, prominent conservative intellectuals. And he said, I told Donald Trump that these people were enormously influential and that he had offended them and they were going to be writing columns against him. And I said, so what? What, he got mad? He said, he didn't know their names. I said, you're kidding me. He said, no, he didn't. He didn't know who they were. He didn't care. <laughs> so, I mean, that was what, that's what he represented to the, that never Trump crowd. So there, there, that was what was wrong with the Republican Party is what I'm trying to say. It didn't represent the middle classes. And now it does. And it's, yes. it's taken the entire blue collar worker constituency that only periodically flared up against them. I'm talking about the Perot voter, the Reagan blue dog Democrat. It's got them now. And all it needs is four or 5% of the suburban crowd that are traditionalists and conservatives. And, and they should know that if they drive into San Francisco or Portland or Seattle or Minneapolis, somebody's going to break their windshield and they're going to steal their stuff and they're not going to be held accountable. And that's just the way... They have to be reminded of that, not scared. Yeah, that's the reality. And they have to remind that their economy is not going to be very good. And they're going to pay $5 for gas. Yeah, I hope that people start to see the reality as you've been presenting it here today so well. And I I thank you for that. Mm, so. I'm sure your your listeners thank you as well. We're coming to the end of the show, yes. if you might have guessed. So uh, I would like to thank you and thank the listeners for uh, their loyal loyal uh, loyalty to our show. That's a wonderful thing that we always think. So thank you, listeners, and thank you, Victor. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Victor Davis Hansen and Sammy Wink, and we're signing off. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. Thank you.